We started a series last week focusing on uh, Advents, uh, and the theme of our series is Waiting for the Coming Light. Advent is a season in the life of our church that's really about waiting, about longing, about hoping, about yearning, yearning for God's coming. We celebrate Jesus Christ's coming 2,000 years ago, and we anticipate his coming as he returns to make all things new. And as we stand in between the first coming and the second coming, we're here in the middle trying to discern the the ways he comes to us and our everyday experiences. And so we've been focusing on John chapter 1, and this is our theme for the entirety of the Advent season, John 1, verses 1 through verse 14. And my hope is that over the course of the next few weeks that you would immerse yourself in those 14 verses, that you'd read you meditate, you take notes down, and that when you come into church, you are hearing a word that's already confirming what God is speaking to your spirit deep down inside, as opposed to you needing a word necessarily from up here. God was already be speaking to you through his word, so all I'm giving you really is the cherry on the top, all right? It's just a confirmation for whatever God is already speaking to you. Last week, we focused on verses one through five, and we talked about this majestic Uh, language about God coming uh, in the person of Jesus, creating all things. Today, we're going to focus on verses 6 through 8, and the topic of my message today is witnessing or pointing to the light. And so beginning in verse number 6, hear the word of the Lord. John writes, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, which is Jesus so that through him all might believe. He himself, that is John the Baptist, was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Lord Jesus, we open ourselves up to you, asking that your Holy Spirit would speak to us now. And so open our hearts, Lord. Open our eyes, open our ears, that we would receive every gift of the Holy Spirit this day. We pray these things in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. Witnessing to the light. One of the things we all do well is we know how to point. We know how to point. We know how to take our index finger and point, and use our index finger to point for different purposes. We all know about the pointing of blame. Children know this, politicians know this, we know this in our families. You ate the last bit of cereal. You know, we know how to point the finger of blame. We know how to use the finger to point when it comes to wonder. If you're with someone, a child, and you want them to see something, you point out something in the distance to get their attention, to fix their attention, because it's a point of of wonder. You want them to see it. There's the point of direction, helping people to find their way. I have a bad sense of direction every time I go into Manhattan. When I get out of the subway, I often don't know where I'm at. And I've been in New York my entire life. And when I get up, I go, where's, where's Fifth Avenue? Where's Bro- I have no clue. And so I start, I start walking, just hoping it's the right direction. And I go, is, is, is Fifth Avenue this way? They go, no, it's that way. Thank God for the finger. Ah, that way. And I walk back the other direction. There's the pointing of blaming, the pointing of wonder, the pointing of direction. But I want to talk about the pointing of witness. 
the pointing of our witness. And this is what we see in our text today. And actually, what I'm going to talk about is actually, if you want to strip down Christianity to its core, this is what we are called to do. The point of Christianity is to point to God's action in Jesus Christ. That is the point of Christianity, to point to God's action in Jesus Christ. This is the point of Advent, and this is the point of our text this afternoon. When we pick up in our text in John chapter 1, to catch us up from last week, John's gospel begins with some magnificent language. Whereas the gospel of Matthew, the gospel of Luke, the gospel of Mark, not so much, but the other gospels begin talking about the way Jesus entered into this world as a human, entered into this world as a baby. But when John begins his gospel, he does not focus on Jesus coming into the world as a baby. He does not focus upon Jesus coming into the world as a vulnerable little child. The one who holds all things together needs to be held by his creation. Matthew begins that way. Luke begins that way. But John begins in a different way. He wants to let the world know that this Jesus is not just uh, a human being, that this Jesus is actually God, actually the son of the living God. And so he begins with some magnificent theological language. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, nothing, uh, without him nothing was made that has been made, and him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John begins with some majestic language. He begins his gospel with some uh, cosmological, metaphysical, supernatural language, letting the world know who this Jesus is. He begins in verse 1 through verse 5 talking about this massive language. Then there's a a shift in verse 6. It's almost a crash landing, it seems, because he starts so high and then abruptly goes so low. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He begins by talking about Jesus in cosmological, metaphysical, supernatural language, and then he shifts in verse 6 to talk about a guy named John. He goes way up high and then takes us way down low. There's a guy who was sent from God. His name was John. I love that John, the gospel writer, does this because he's holding an important tension together. I love that John's name wasn't something like Melchizedek. I love that it wasn't someone whose name I couldn't spell or pronounce. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. It's a common name, an ordinary name, John. When you want to give a generic identity, he just, John Doe, John. There's over 5.4 million people in this country named John. So common. And I don't know if that's including Juan. I mean, that's probably another 10 million in this country. John is the second most common male name in this country after James. I love that it's John. I could have done an entire sermon on John. I just, 
It's so common, just regular. And I love it because it's almost as if God is saying, I want to use the everyday person. I want to use the common person. I want to use the everyday person. That you, you don't have to have a fancy degree, a long name. You can just be John. And God wants to use you. God invites you into his story. Now, John the Baptist is a witness. He's a witness with a capital W. And we might be witnesses with a lowercase w, but we are witnesses called into the life of God's story. And this is what we see right from the beginning of this text in verse number six. God calls us into partnership with him to go and, and, and declare the lights into the world. God invites John into something bigger than himself, and he invites us into something bigger than ourselves, a story bigger than ourselves, and we all long to be part of something bigger than ourselves. Why do people join uh, sports clubs? Why do people root for teams? Because we want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. Why do we go to these massive concerts? Why do people join political movements? Because we want to be part of something bigger than ourselves. And yet here it is, the cosmological God, metaphysical, supernatural God who establishes his kingdom invites you into partnership with him to be part of something greater than ourselves. In particular, God invites us to be his witnesses. He invites us to point in a particular direction. It was Karl Barth, the great theologian, who said witnessing means pointing in a specific direction beyond the self and onto another. And Advent is a time for us to be challenged. Are we responding to God's invitation to be a witness? This is what John the Baptist does. He points in a particular direction. But before we talk about John... We need to talk a little bit about ourselves, because instead of pointing out there, our society tends to point in here. We tend to live a self-referential life, a life that's consumed with the unholy trinity of me, myself, and I. We live our lives consumed about our comfort, consumed about our possessions, consumed about our achievements, consumed about our lives. Advent reminds us to get out of ourselves and to point in the right direction. And so we have a pointing problem. We often point this way. Life becomes about us. It was St. Augustine when he was talking about sin. He said that sin, the, the Latin word is incurvatus in se, which means to be turned or curved inward on oneself. Someone who is caught in sin is one who is turned inward on oneself. You become your own God. You become your own savior. You are turned in on oneself. This is someone who is caught in sin. It's your self-referential life. It's all about you. It's all about me. And we see this often in our lives. We see this on our, with our friends. We see this on social media. One of the fascinating questions to discuss is, what's behind much of the narcissism in our culture? Does social media make us narcissistic? Or are we simply expressing the narcissism that is already in us? 
There was an article and research out of the Huffington Post which said a small new study shows how exactly we use social media to feed our egos. The research published in the journal Computers in Human Behavior shows that Twitter fuels younger adults' narcissistic tendencies by acting as a megaphone for their thoughts, while Facebook fuels middle adults' narcissistic tendencies by serving as a mirror where they can curate images of themselves. We have a way of pointing this way. We have a pointing problem. But beyond pointing this way, the other problem we have is we point out, but we point in the wrong direction. Pointing to other sources that we believe will save us. Pointing to other sources that we think is the solution to the problems of our world. And so we have a pointing problem. We, we point to other places thinking that's the thing that's going to rescue me. That's the thing that's going to save me. That's the thing that's going to make me happy. It's another relationship. It's another job. It's, it, 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 if we only had a different political party in control, if I, if, if I just lived in a different neighborhood, if, if, if we point this direction, thinking if, if, if I just had that, That would solve my problems. This would save my soul. And so whether we're pointing in here or pointing out there, we often have a pointing problem. But when you look at John, John does not have a pointing problem. John points in the right direction. John, if you look in this text, he's not self-absorbed. He's not self-referential. And the gospel writer wants, us to let, wants to let us know about this. In verse 8, John, the gospel writer, says about John the Baptist, he says, he himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. John was powerful, but he wasn't the light. He was anointed, but he wasn't the light. Jesus says he was the greatest person to ever live, but he was not the light. And what makes John so great The Baptist is, he knows this about himself. He has the right perspective about himself. And we see this later on in the chapter. Later on in the chapter, people are so impressed with John. So impressed that they think he is the Messiah. They're projecting their hopes. They're projecting their dreams. And later on in this chapter, they start interrogating him, trying to figure out who he is. And this is what it says. It's not, it says, now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. This is a good phrase to start every morning, brothers and sisters. A wonderful <laughs> phrase to start every, say, get out of bed, I am not the Messiah. Good way to, let's all practice together. I am not the Messiah. How refreshing. How refreshing. Look at the person next to you say, you are not the Messiah. Yeah, yeah, you are not the Messiah. Let's, let's get you straight too. We, we, we are not the Messiah. John is free. I am not the Messiah. They asked him then, who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? Nope. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. John says, I have one task. I have one job description. That is to point to Jesus. His entire life is caught up in this one task. Here's the question. Is your entire life caught up in that one task? My life as a follower of Jesus is caught up on one task. It's to point to him. 
to point to him. And this is what Avid invites us into. This is why we need John the Baptist to ruffle our feathers a little bit. Is our lives marked by pointing to Jesus. John does not point to himself. He knows who he is. He knows who he isn't. And so he's free. But beyond not pointing to himself, John doesn't point in the wrong direction. John doesn't say, uh, look at Herod. He doesn't point to Caesar. He doesn't point to the temple. He doesn't point to religious leaders. John has one uh, thought in mind, to point to Jesus. In verse 29, he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John has one call, is to make Jesus known, to bear witness to his name. And we have one job, to point to Jesus. Advent invites us, who, who is the star of the show? It's Jesus. Who's the one our affections are to be set on? It's Jesus. Who's the one that we are to be beholding? It is Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. One of my favorite things from time to time to do is to watch late night television shows. I like the Jimmy Fallon show. He's a funny guy. I like Stephen Colbert. He's witty. He has some sarcasm. I used to watch Arsenio Hall back in the day, dog pound and all that, hoo-hoo, all that stuff there. But they all take their cues, as they would say in different interviews, from, from Johnny Carson. And Johnny Carson had this late night show and all that. But what made Johnny Carson's show so great just wasn't Johnny Carson. Johnny Carson had some help in Ed McMahon. And Ed McMahon would be his own entertainer in his own right, someone who would be very successful in his own right. But for many years, he took a back seat to Johnny Carson. And at the beginning of every show of Johnny Carson, Ed McMahon would stay in the corner and say one thing, here's Johnny, that's all he had to do. That was his job. Here's Johnny, that's the guy you need to be focusing on. As I was reading John 1 and thinking about John the Baptist, I thought about Ed McMahon. I said, here, there, here it is. John the Baptist has one task. Here's Jesus. Is your life marked by that? Is your life marked by a singularity of focus? I want people to see Jesus. When, when you're at work, I want people to see when you're driving on Queens Boulevard. I, I, I know your bumper sticker says uh, honk if you love them, but, 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 but are, are you, do you, when you're driving, is that Jesus calling us right now? I don't know. But it, it, is he? Let's, let's, let's pick up the phone. Lord, is that you, Lord? Is that, is, is that you? We are called to point to Jesus. The entirety of the Bible is about one thing. And Jesus says this about himself in Luke 24. He says, everything in the scriptures points to me. Everything you read in the Bible is about me. God the Father, when, 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 when his disciples go up to a mountain with him, there's three tabernacles. And Peter says, Lord, we should be making booths for Elijah and Moses. And a, a voice comes out and says, this is my son. Listen to him. The Father says, I want you to focus on him. The Holy Spirit is fine with this too. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the, the, the Trinity has one thing in mind, to, to, to put the spotlight on Jesus. The Holy Spirit is not out for the Holy Spirit's glory. The Holy Spirit has one task, 
The Holy Spirit's task is to shine the light on Jesus Christ. And you know, as Dale Bruner said, the Spirit, Jesus is most, the Spirit is most present when Jesus is most central. You want to know when the Holy Spirit is most present? It's not when there's signs and wonders and miracles. The Spirit is most present when Jesus is most central. And the Holy Spirit is totally fine putting the spotlight on Jesus. Jesus says this later in John 16. He says in the yellow, he won't draw, speaking of the Holy Spirit, he won't draw attention to himself, but will make sense out of, out of what is about to happen and indeed out of all that I have done and said. He will honor me, he will take from me and deliver it to you. The Holy Spirit has one task to point to Jesus. The Spirit is most present when Jesus is most central. And when Jesus is most central in our lives, the Spirit is most present in our lives. There was a guy named Karl Barth who understood this. Karl Barth, many say, was the greatest theologian of the 20th century. A man from Switzerland, did most of his work in Germany, wrote over 10,000 pages of theology. And as I was reading his biography, I have read many different biographies of him, Bart had a painting called The Crucifixion right on his desk. And it was painted by a guy by the name of Matthias Grunenwald. And on the painting, he would have it as he was writing his theology, as he was pastoring his people. As he wrote thousands upon thousands of pages, he had this right before him to see. And what he always looked at was John the Baptist right on the side there pointing. And he said, my job as a theologian, my job as a Christian is to do one thing and one thing only. It's to point to Jesus. My life. You're a Christian? My life, your life is to be consumed by one thing. It's the glory of Jesus Christ. It's the greatness of his name. It's the fame of his love. This is why we exist, to point to Jesus. On the painting, you can't see it on the screen there, but there's some words in Latin written behind John the Baptist, and it says on it, I must decrease, he must increase. And so what does it mean to point to him on your job? What does it mean to point to him? What does it mean on your job, in your workplace, in your home, to point to him, in your neighborhood, to point to him? In your relationships to point to him. Let me offer four invitations to point. To point to Jesus in this Advent season means that we help others see the presence of God in their midst. Isn't this what John the Baptist does? Jesus is walking among people. They do not know that the son of the living God, the one who created all the things that they see, is right next to them. They don't even know it. What John does is good Practice for us. He points him out. Guys, behold, look who's here. Look, look, look who's standing among us. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And what people need in our world, what we each need, we need someone to help us discern and see the presence of God in our midst. One of the great calls of the church is to help others see the presence of Jesus in their midst because it's so easy to miss him. It's so easy not to see him. Many of us have played the game Where's Waldo, the little puzzle game there. And it'd be a massive crowds of people that, on this cartoon and you're, you had one test to find Waldo and miss all of the crowd and the craziness of it. 
And there'd be times where I couldn't find, I'm, I'm there forever looking for the guy, and I just needed someone to help me. Go, oh, there he is, and just point them out right there. That's how it feels sometimes with God. Where's God? I don't know. I've been searching. I can't see him. Lots of suffering in my life. Marriage is falling apart. Money is running out. Sickness in my body. Where is God? What we need are people to help us locate God's presence. And there are times where you are helping people locate God's presence, and there are times that people are helping to locate God's presence in your own life. But this is what we do for each other as a community, to locate God's presence to say, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I wonder who God has brought into your life for one purpose, to point to Jesus, to help them to see Jesus is here. God is here. You might not be able to see it, but God is here. This is what John the Baptist does. He helps people see the presence of God in their midst. To point to the light means that we live with a heart directed towards Jesus and his mission. That means we're intentional about every aspect of life being for the purpose of Jesus' light, his mission, his glory. It means in our workplaces, God has entrusted you with, with opportunities at work. God has entrusted you with education. God has entrusted you with financial resources. How does every aspect of our life be used for the sake of, 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 of showcasing Jesus, his lights, using whatever we have at our disposal for the sake of his mission? What does it look like for parents to be intentional about leading our children to the light? Advent provides a wonderful opportunity for families where we have create ritual, we create tradition to help to point our children to Jesus. To point others means we live with a heart directed towards Jesus and his mission. To point means that we help people make sense of their desires. I was having a conversation with someone this past week who's not a Christian and said, I, I just, I don't have the right desires. My desires all twisted up. I can't come to church yet. And I'm thinking, you're a perfect candidate to come to church. Because let's talk about what's beneath your desires, your twisted desires. It's, it's really a, a longing for God. You're truly longing. For, and it's just twisted up right now. But we can, let's get it untwisted and locate. I'm, I'm pointing to Jesus. What you need is a loving Savior, a forgiving God. That's what you need in your life. We help people make sense of their desires. What does it mean to point to Jesus? What does it mean to point to this light? It means that we live with hope in the midst of darkness. Advent reminds us of God's coming in Christ, and not just his coming 2,000 years ago. It reminds us that he's coming again. It reminds us he's going to come again to make all things new. He's coming again to make final judgment on evil. He's coming again to heal the sick. He's coming again to resurrect our dead world. Therefore, we are called to live with hope. And so whenever we see a oppression and evil, Advent says, yes, this is true. But there's coming a day where it won't always be like this. Advent says, we see poverty and war. Advent says, yes, this is true, but it won't always be like this. We see racism, we see classism, we see all kind of terrorism. Advent says, yes, this is true. Our world is dark, but it won't always be like this because he's coming again. To make all things new. He's coming again to heal the world. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so my task as a preacher is is to help you see him. 
I know you've made mistakes this past week, but behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I know you're living with disorientation and your timetables are all messed up, but behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I know you're overwhelmed with the pains of life, but behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John's word to us is so important in Advent because John witnesses the light and John wants us really to do one thing. He wants us to behold, to behold Jesus, to behold him. And one thing is certain, we already know how to behold. All of us know how to behold. We're trained to behold. Whenever you get a negative email from someone and you read it, you behold it. And throughout the course of the day, you're thinking, you're beholding it. In negative ways, we behold. We behold in positive ways. I remember the first time Rosie sent me a text message after we started dating. It was 2003. I had my flip phone. We went on a date the night before. I was just getting to know her a little bit. And I saw I had a text message, and so I just opened my flip phone. It's a big phone. And the text message had three words. It wasn't bad. It was good. This was good. <laughs> I've gotten some other text messages, not so, but this one was good. And it said, good morning, cutie. Oh, my goodness. Oh, okay. Good morning. <laughs> I was beholding that thing. Look at this. Look at this. I stopped all work that day. I just, I beheld it. Oh, I was inviting coworkers. Look at this. Look at this. Look what she said. Good morning. It was nighttime. Good morning. I was still like, good morning. Oh my goodness, look at this. We know how to fix our affections on things. We know how to fix our imaginations on things. John says, this Advent season, our invitation is to do one thing. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away. Behold his love. Behold his grace. Behold his mercy, behold his truth, behold his life, behold his life. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Advent really is about one thing, beholding Jesus. Here's the question, what are you beholding? What are you beholding? What has captured your attention? What has captured your imagination? John the Baptist says, Don't look that way, look this way. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And as you behold him, you actually begin to be transformed into his image. We become what we behold. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Let's pray together. I want to give us a moment to behold Jesus in prayer, in silence. I imagine that there's a lot vying for your attention, a lot of stress, a lot of distraction. We gather for worship 
to fix our eyes on Jesus, to behold his love, his forgiveness, his mercy, the ways that he comes to us. And just for about a minute, I want us to just behold him together in silence. In the same way that John the Baptist said, behold, he's here. By his spirit, he's here. Jesus Christ is present among us, present in your life, active in your life. But sometimes we need to stop and behold. So let's take a minute to behold and then we'll sing together. Lord Jesus, thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you for the invitation to behold you. And Lord, this Advent season, may we behold you in all who you are. And like John the Baptist, may we be witnesses of your light. May we point others to you. May our lives be filled to overflow. We sing to you now words of praise, words of worship. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand and let's sing together.
our service let's have our prayer team come to my left by those who are going to be offering um, Yofana will offer the bread and the cup to us when we come and take communion we take it in a way where we're saying not just eating some bread we're saying Lord I want to be your witness and as I take this bread I want to be reminded of what you've done for me because I want to now bear witness to this light that the darkness cannot overcome. So whether you come for the bread, whether you come for prayer, many of us in this room that you're trying to discern God's presence in your life. You're wondering, where is God? And when we pray for one another, we open ourselves up 
to a manifestation of the Holy Spirit's power and leading where others help us in our discernments to locate the presence of God in our midst. That's why it's so important to receive prayer because we can't do it alone. What's beautiful about this text and about just the theme overall is we can only point to God because God has first pointed us out. God searches for us, seeks us out, points us. His his point is one of claiming us, loving us. And it is out of his point of love and claim that we go out and point as witness. And right now, some of you in this room, you've never said yes to Jesus, but he's pointing at you. It's not a point of condemnation. It's not a point of judgment. It's a point of grace, forgiveness, salvation. But you have to come. You have to say yes to it. And so if you've never said yes to Jesus, our prayer team is here. And if you sense the Spirit of God calling your name, Jesus pointing you out, you're saying, I'm tired of doing this by myself. I need help. I just don't need help. I need rescue. I need forgiveness. I need power. I need authority. I need all that. Jesus is pointing you out right now. And our prayer team is here to pray for whatever needs you have. And so whether you're coming for prayer, whether you're coming for the Lord's table, feel free to respond as you sense the Spirit of God leading you. And so as you close, I want to invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. We close every gathering like this because the world is filled with cursing, condemnation, judgment. We walk out of the house of God knowing that the love of the Father, the grace of Jesus, the companionship of the Holy Spirit is with you. God loves you with an everlasting love. And so us in this way is saying, Lord, I want to live in that reality, out of which I point others to that same love. And so with your hands and your hearts in a posture of receiving, brothers and sisters and sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and may he keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and fill you with peace. May you walk out of this building in the power of the Holy Spirit, witnessing to the name of Jesus, witnessing to his light. And may his light flow through you this week with power, with grace, with mercy, with forgiveness. And may those who come into contact with you experience this life of God as you live from an overflow of experiencing his life. And so I bless you all today in the strong, in the beautiful, in the light-giving name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Grace and peace to you all.